listener. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the What Report. Get ready to zap, like what I did there, uh, into the latest and greatest EV news, discover the hottest EVs hitting the market, and meet some seriously awesome EVers. Speaking of good people, how about my co-driver? Please, welcome to the show. Canned applause. Here is Nadine Armstrong. Hello, hello. How are you, Rusty? I'm good. What's happening? Well, speaking of really cool people, our meet and Evia on this episode. She's a soon-to-be mother of her second child and Sammy, who, no, is not driving an electric SUV or any large people mover. She's got a Mini Cooper of all things, so she's about to squeeze what? child number two into her Mini Cooper. I love that. I love that. It sounds a bit like a Tetris, really, doesn't it? Yeah, you do what you have to, right? You do what you have to. But retaining a bit of youthfulness there, very cool car. I like that. Right, first up, though, a bit of news. Uh, And to do that, we wheel into the studio, none other than Kelsey Menzies, news extraordinaire with... The latest headline. Hello, guys. Look, I'm really excited this week because there's always lots going on in the EV world. And the first headline that caught my eye was this one. Delays ahead for the long-awaited fuel efficiency standard. Now, if you were expecting to get your first look at the long-awaited fuel efficiency standard before year end, then I have some bad news for you, unfortunately. Eight months ago, the Transport Minister, Catherine King, announced plans for the draft legislation to be ready by the end of 2023. But more recently, she said that they need more time to figure it out. And look, this is going to be a shame for a lot of our listeners because we were really wanting to get our hands on that, weren't we? I I think the um, extension to the yarn too is the outcome probably won't be revealed until next year. And and that's led experts to say, well, on that basis then, you won't get anything really in place until 2025, will you? Yeah, and it's just too slow. To quote the need more time to figure it out, I think there are some really good examples in the rest of the world. I'm not sure what they're still trying to figure out, to be honest. And these kind of delays are pushing us even further behind. I know that a lot of the EV groups will be saying the same thing. We're already behind the rest of the world, so we actually need a proper deadline on this. Speaking of governments, guys... Some of them are doing some pretty cool things. (laughs) Come on. Are you serious? I'm being deadly serious. So this one is from the New South Wales government. EV-ready buildings, they're on the way. So if you are an EV driver, and I'm assuming most of you guys listening are, you know that most of your charging is done at home. About 80 to 90% of charging is done at home. But that is really going to depend on where you live. Of course, in apartment blocks, it's a lot harder to get access to those charges, fast charges especially. But the government is going to make it really easy for apartment dwellers. They're offering up to $80,000 for established buildings to install charges. And this is a really important incentive, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's true. We expect that most people will do their charging at home. So, you know, these kind of incentives are really important. Um, Probably a good time to point people to the Car Sales EV Hub because we do have a lot of stories on there because depending on what state you live in, the incentives are different. So make sure you jump on the EV Hub to see what incentives are offered where you live. And if you want to know too, if your building is eligible or um, perhaps you're in another state and maybe just curious about what a program like this looks like. There is actually an on-demand webinar that you can watch 
um, with a lot of cool information. We'll stick that in the show notes for you. Okay, guys, enough of all this serious government talk. (laughs) I saw this one and it immediately intrigued my interest. Best smelling interiors from car sales, car of the year, 2023 (laughs) range. What we have all been waiting for. So I know that when you're buying a car, there are lots of things to consider, you know, range, cost, efficiency, all those types of things. But how important is smell to you when you're looking for a car, Rusty? Very. I I still want to know how the hell we can preserve it, right? Like, as you get the car... It's there for a little bit and then it goes and then you miss it. Do you know, I've got a fun fact for you, a little tidbit, why smell is so important. So the olfactory system, which is the part of our brain that registers smell, is very, very closely positioned to where our memory is. So that's why smell is also really important. It triggers memories in a way that, you know, sometimes feels unexplainable. So if you can get that feeling in a car, how good would that be? Dr. Nadine Armstrong, look at you go. Hey. You know what, though? You know that I've got a 12-year-old boy, so any car that doesn't smell like farts is good with me. What was the best-smelling car? It was the Polestar too, That's wasn't it? correct, yeah. Followed by the Mustang Mach-E Premium, and then it was the BMW X1 S-Drive. Well, we have established that smell is indeed important, um, but how important is having a crossbow-proof car? Is that something that you guys look for? Oh, I saw this. I saw this. So recently (laughs) in an interview, Joe Rogan sat down with Elon Musk and the two posed the question, if the Cybertruck can withstand bullets, can it withstand a crossbow? So have a listen to this. I have a 90-pound compound bow that shoots 520-grain arrows at 300 feet per second. We're going to try it right now if you want. I bet I can get in there. Okay, I'll bet you can't. Really? Yeah, I bet you're dollar. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Flatten the tip of the arrow. Look at the tip of the broadhead. That's impressive. Guys, how safe would you have felt if you were the driver in the seat whilst that was uh, taking place? Would you have felt safe? It's like the old Robin Hood days with the apple on the head, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, surely, we've just talked car smell. We're now going to add crossbow tests. These are now new criteria, surely, for car sales going forward. I'm definitely taking my crossbow with me every time I test a car now. <laughs> Essential item. I'll add that to the list. Now, uh, while Kels has brought up Cybertrucks here, on the EV hub, you got to look at the interior, the new interior of the Cybertruck not long ago. Yeah, constantly teasing us, isn't he? Constantly teasing us. So, And there's been a lot of hype about this truck and whether or not it ev- we ever see one here on the roads here is yet to be known, but it's a quirky, very Tesla style vehicle and uh, yeah, I, I kind of like reserving my judgment on that one for now. Speaking of judgments, let's get the views of none other than Fian Tor with our latest What's in the Market report. The most affordable EV yet arrives in Australia and a massive seven-seat large SUV from Kia finally rolls into showrooms. Salutations, everyone. Senior editor Fian Tor here with What's New on the EV Market. First up, Australia's cheapest EV has now arrived in Australia. It's called the BYD Dolphin. It's priced from a very sharp $38,890, has a 340km range and comes with plenty of tech and safety features. It's roughly the same size as a Toyota Corolla. It has a six-year warranty and could become one of Australia's most popular EVs. It's got a really funky and futuristic design, and apart from a fairly modest motor, it's a good vehicle, scoring 79 out of 100 in our recent first drive, which you can check out at carsales.com.au 
or on the car sales app. Next up, we've got the Kia EV9 at the other end of the scale. It's a huge hulking SUV that starts at around $100,000 and has begun rolling into Kia showrooms as we speak. It's a seven-seat Leviathan that's around the same size as a Toyota Land Cruiser, has a range of around 500 kilometers and more tech toys than Elon Musk's secret bunker. Although it looks tough, the EV9 is not the sort of thing you'd want to take up the Udna data track, but it will appeal to family buyers thanks to its large cabin, generous luggage space, and a reasonable 2.5-ton towing capacity. Okay, following its 2023 Car Sales Car of the Year win, the MG4 small hatchback isn't hanging about, with a new high-performance model dubbed X-Power now arriving in dealerships for around $60,000. Our road test editor Scott Newman says it's not quite a hot hatch, but it does have outrageous acceleration, ripping from zero to 100 kilometers an hour in just 3.8 seconds. Cruising ranges claim to be 400 kilometers, but as our testing showed, that figure is cut in half if it's driven regularly in full attack mode. And some quick EV news to finish. The all-new Audi Q4 e-tron SUV's arrival in Aussie showrooms has been delayed until 2024 due to pent-up buyer demand overseas. However, pricing has been announced at just under $89,000, making it the German brand's cheapest EV thus far. Subaru's first EV, the Solterra, will arrive in dealerships by Christmas, starting at just under $80,000 and offering a 400km range, which has left a lot of people scratching their heads. Lastly, iconic American luxury brand Cadillac has confirmed it will sell EVs in Australia from mid-2024, starting with the Lyric large SUV. I'm not sure if people will be singing in the streets though, because it could be exceedingly expensive. And that's what's current in the EV market. Catch you next time. It's now time to meet an EVer and we have Sammy Ho on the show today. Sammy, welcome to What's Under the Bonnet. Thanks for being on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Sammy, first of all, thank you particularly for being here because we know that you're about to have another baby literally any day now, but you've also got a three-year-old, yes. so I'm sure you're really busy. More importantly, you've got an EV. So you've got a Mini Cooper SE, a 2023. Tell us about the switch to EV and, and what made you decide to move to an EV? Yeah, so I would say purchasing an EV was not something I initially thought about. It was probably considered the last piece of our home electrification game or strategy, if you can call it like that. So we bought a house about a year and a half ago and we wanted to get off gas and installed solar panels and then I upgraded most of our appliances to fit within solar. And then we had sort of thought about the rising petrol costs and how I could be saving money whilst I was on maternity leave. And I think one of the big ways I could potentially save money was actually reducing our petrol expenditure. It was just immediately clear such a great financial option for us, but also had some other benefits in terms of family life and electricity usage and particularly in incorporating that into our solar energy use. So there's a 
few EVs to choose from these days. So what was it about the Mini Cooper that drew you to, to that vehicle? And, you know, what is it that you like about that now? Yeah, so my husband sold his last manual transmission car, which was a Renault Clio. Uh, it was his sort of little hobby car. And did he have trouble parting with it? <laughs> yes, he Aww. did. Unfortunately, the repairs for the car were um, just too much for us. I think he had a little bit of grief letting go of the final manual transmission car in our household. But I said, look, because, you know, the savings were technically my savings. I said, well, I have to, I have to enjoy the car as well. And so we had a little bit of a look at the sort of EVs that are around. And I think what we liked about the Mini Cooper was that it still retained the same sort of classic uh, styling of it. I know it sounds a bit odd, but we both also like really small cars and we actually had to test whether a baby capsule would fit in the back because it's only a two-door car. <laughs> Mini Cooper have done a, a brilliant job of maintaining that character of that vehicle while Absolutely. You know, moving it onto EV. It still mm. looks every bit a Mini. Yeah, it's so cute. And we actually wanted to keep that same styling before they moved on to different models. So I think it was nice that we got the last of the, I think it's the F56 models because it looks like any other Mini Cooper. In fact, <laughs> About a couple of weeks after I purchased my SE, my mum actually traded in a car for a John Cooper Works ice combustion mini because she liked the look of my car. <laughs> uh, I couldn't convince her to go electric at this point it's in contagious. time. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but she she's enjoying that mini mini car drive as well. Sammy, it, it can be quite an eye opening change for a lot of people, right? So, so what was the most surprising thing about switching to an EV for you? Yeah, so apart from the initial financial savings, so I would say we probably paid about 100 to $150 a week on petrol. I guess what was interesting to me was how fun the drive could be. The prospect of driving a manual transmission car for me with a child was just one step too difficult for me. <laughs> this car has actually been the most enjoyable for me. I never would say that I really enjoy driving, but the benefits of the EV with the, all its sort of little you know, technological upgrades and things like that have made it really pleasant for me to actually think about driving my toddler around. It's actually nice that she enjoys driving in the Mini as well. So she actually points out Mini cars on the street before I even get to see them. I was like, look, mummy, it's a Mini car. <laughs> but the fact that we can all enjoy it and it has so many different benefits was probably an eye-opener for me because I think the way EVs were pitched was that it would be a huge inconvenience. And i got to say, with the Mini, it's got quite a limited range, but I've managed to not have that an issue whatsoever. You've started to talk about it now, but let's get on to charging. So you've called it granny charger. So for those <laughs> who don't know, you explained to us earlier about granny charging. So can you talk about that and explain that to yeah. us a little bit? So the granny charger, it's not my term. Uh, it's the charger that comes with the car. So it's a type two charger that you can plug into an AC outlet in your home or anywhere. So I typically in my charge from day to day, we just plug into a regular wall socket in our garage. At the moment, our car is charging in, in the garage and I'm actually using our excess solar to charge the car. For me, actually, the benefit of that smaller battery is that I can charge from zero to 100, I would say in about 12 hours max. I don't know if you know this concept, ABC always be charging because I'm always charging at home. We rarely dip below 50% unless we're going for quite a considerable drive. We also did install a wall box charger with the mini as well. This is the first month we have got our electricity bill with our EV and have credits 
for the month. What would you kind of recommend to new EV owners thinking about getting an, an at-home charger? Yeah, so I think actually my husband was more concerned about the charging rate and how often we would need it. He actually has more range anxiety than I do. I said, <laughs> look, you could drive on the mini sports mode. <laughs> mini has a sports mode. And I said, look, just go out of city for a little bit and I guarantee you, you'll still have 50% battery left. And he came back and he, I, I proved him <laughs> I proved him wrong. <laughs> It just made economical sense to charge from our home that actually installing a wallbox charger would be cheaper than just regularly fast charging on the go. Talking about dealing with stress, are you going to fit two car seats in the back? <laughs> we tried this. So um, we found a Euroslim toddler seat that we fit in my husband's previous Renault Clio. So specifically designed for Euro cars and my daughter fits in it well. When uh, we test drove the Mini Cooper, we actually brought our um, upcoming baby's baby capsule to the test drive to see how easy it was to like fit in and fit out. And look, I got to say, there is some complexity about it. <laughs> the benefits definitely of the EV itself and particularly my car, the Mini Cooper, sort of outweigh the challenge. So that's that'll, that'll be a different challenge in itself, whether I struggle with the taking the capsule out. doesn't have a lot of boot space, but we'll make do. Coolest kids ever going around <laughs> town in the back of that. Um, the great thing here, Sammy, is we we have managed to squeeze this interview in before family member number two <laughs> arrives. So from all of us here at What's Under the Bonnet, we wish you well with that. Congratulations on making the, the conversion to an EV. And thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us about it today. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Now, we can report that Sammy did, in fact, have a beautiful bundle of joy in between recording that interview and the release of the episode. So from all of us, a massive congratulations to you, Sammy, and your beautiful family. Um, She's actually, Nadine sent us a little photo of the new bub snuggled away in a baby seat in the back of the mini. So there is there is proof. Baby seats and minis. Absolutely, it can be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Never say never. Never say never. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> now, remember to tune in for the next themed episode, hitting your feeds very soon. It is a ripper of an episode too, isn't it? Yeah, we're tackling servicing. So we're literally sort of taking a literal look under the bonnet of your EV. What parts need servicing? Do tyres matter? And how often do you need to go? That's right. Not only that, though, we're going to look at the industry in a in a broader sense as a whole. So what do the mechanics of tomorrow look like? A lot of people talk about that, that servicing component. So I, I really can't wait for this episode. Until next time, everybody, be sure to check the Car Sales Electric Vehicle Hub, carsales.com.au forward slash electric. And from all of our team, we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Listener.